um, friends or frenemies. Uh, well, first, let us pray. Eternal Rock of Ages, Father Lord, we bless and adore your holy name. Daddy, we thank you, Lord, even for another opportunity to gather in your presence. We thank you for this topic that you have given our leaders um, for us to talk about today, friends or frenemies. We ask, Lord, that you speak to us yourself, Lord, that you minister to our very spirit, man, Lord, that you show us what it means to have a friend, that you teach us how to be a friend, and that you show us what it means to have a frenemy also. And at the end of the day, Lord, that your name alone will be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. So about a week ago, you know, I got this message from Pastor Eiji asking whether I would speak on the topic of friends and frenemies. And, you know, I had an idea about, I think it's as soon as I saw the message, I had this instant idea about what I would talk about. And then I started to wonder why um, the topic was chosen. And so as I started to think about it a little bit more than that initial kind of thought that came into my head. Um, so I started to, I think I feel like I started to receive, you know, some things about it. And, you know, immediately I looked at my phone and there was a text message, a WhatsApp message again from Pastor KG, um, going into a little bit more detail about what the, teaching was designed to achieve. So that gave me the confidence that, um, that we're on the right track. So initially I thought I would just share based on my own experience about friends and frenemies. But as I thought about it, I, I felt that that was not what God wanted us to hear today. That you know, we hear a lot of things. Um, we see a lot of things. You see in movies, uh, on the internet, you speak to people. So I'm sure we all have lots of different opinions and ideas about it. But I think today God wants us to hear what he has to say in the Bible. What does he have to say about the topic of friends and frenemies? So that's, where we, that, that's the direction that we're going to go in. So I want it to be somewhat interactive. And so I took the liberty of bringing some paper along with me. And I'll just ask that you take one and then pass it on. Um, so everybody would, would, um, would have a piece of paper that you can write on. And if you did not come with a pen, you can indicate and um, you can grab one. So we're talking about friends and frenemies. We'll start with We'll start with friends. Um, who is a friend? You know, who's a friend? I looked at the dictionary to try to, you know, because you think, oh, I know who a friend is, of course. is that person that I talk to all the time. So I looked at the dictionary to see what the dictionary had to say about who's my friend. And the dictionary said, it's a person with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Typically, a bond that is exclusive of sexual or family relations. So you can't say, oh, my husband or my wife. 
This is my friend. They're your friend, but that's not what we're talking about today, right? And it's not, oh, my sister or my brother. So it's that person that you have a, a bond of mutual affection with. And I, and I looked at the Bible also. What does the Bible say? Who's a friend? And when you look at, you know, you go into history and you look at kind of like Greek translations and all that, or the Hebrew translation, you find out that the word friend in Hebrew actually meant different things. So when we look at, when we read the Bible today, and we see the word friend used, it wasn't it's not necessarily the same word in Hebrew. So there are actually three categories or three levels of friends. You have um, the basic level, which is association. I'm sure you can relate to it. We have like lots of friends on the internet, for example, social media. Oh, I have um, 2,000 friends. They're not really your friends, but they're kind of sort of your friends. They're your social media friends. So they're just associates. And in the Bible, when the Bible refers to a neighbor, that's that kind of friend. You know, when the Bible says, you know, who was their neighbor? That's the kind of friend we're talking about. Like Romans 15, 2 says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So that's a basic level of friendship. All right, so the second level is that basic level plus uh, plus loyalty. So you have the affection and then you add loyalty on top of it. You know, for example, when the Bible say, talks about a friend that sticks closer than a brother, there's loyalty. Can you give me an example of someone in the Bible? Excellent. That was a great example of friendship leading to loyalty. Another example, Naomi and Ruth, awesome, awesome. So those are examples where you can see loyalty. So loyalty added to affection. And then the third level is where, I mean, loyalty added to association. And the third level is when you add affection. So you then have association, loyalty, and affection wrapped in one. And that's the highest, the ultimate level of friendship. And so, how do we choose our friends? How do we choose our friends? You know, in, we live in a world where we're constantly connected with our friends through social media, through the phone, conversations in school, you know, and these ongoing connections have a huge impact on our daily lives. You know, if you, you know, I mean, in these days of social media, uh, there are some people that have become like selfie addicts. So they post the selfie and nobody says anything. And then they get depressed because their friends did not comment on, you know. I belong, I mean, I, I come from a family where there are lots of girls. We're 11 children and there are three, um, three boys and eight girls, or eight ladies. And we have this WhatsApp platform with the ladies. So, you know, there's some of my siblings that I think they're just like selfie addicts. Every every day they'll post a picture and they expect you to respond every day. You know, I, I think uh WhatsApp coming up with those yeah. those reactions it's just perfect. I don't have to I just have to put a reaction, you know, because it's like it's almost tiring responding to this picture. But you know, this is the reality of where we are today. It's like 
you have all these friends on social media, they've never met you, but you, have, you expect them to react when you post something or when you say something. And, um, and so these connections have a huge impact on our daily lives. I, I don't know if I told us the last time that I came about the Blue Zone. Did I talk about the Blue Zones the last time? Not sure. So the, there are certain areas in the world that are called Blue Zones. Um, there's a gentleman, his name is um, Dr. Butner, he's a professor, and he studies um, behaviors, uh, particularly in people that have lived up to 100, and try to understand why or what it is that they do that keeps them very agile, very young, even at that age. So he went around the world um, interviewing people that were octogenarians and trying to figure out what um, was similar among them. And one of the things he found was that they have these connections, you know, they stay relevant in the communities, they stay relevant in, in their families. So having that connection um, keeps you living longer, you know. Uh, I mean, of course, we know that ultimately it's God that decides on who he chooses to wake up in the morning, right? But you could wake up in the hospital or you could wake up at home. You know, it all depends on how healthy you are. And so having those connections actually keeps us alive. One of the easy ways to, um, to become very unhealthy is to retire. You know, when you see people that are retired, I mean, when I say retire, I don't mean just retiring from formal employment, but just that kind of retirement that people just then begin to hang outside their doors, their houses sitting down and just uh, drinking some wine or something like that, you know, or they're just at home all the time. That's a very easy way to um, get very unhealthy. But people that are constant, that stay relevant, stay involved. I mean, the, he talked about um, going to visit a hundred year lady that's a hundred and the lady was telling him, you're late and I don't have time. I'm on my way to the old people's home to go give the old people magazines. And he was wondering, who are the old people? If you are a hundred, you know, you have this to say. So again, it's just a reflection of what friends um, mean, mean to us. So someone once said, you know, show me your friends and I'll, I'll show you your future. So for better or worse, we find that our friends um, really do influence our decisions and our choices. And the decisions and choices we make today um, will definitely have an impact on our lives tomorrow. And that's why we have to choose our friends wisely. So with that sheet of paper that you have, here, here goes our first assignment. And you're not going to show me any of that. It's all for your own consumption, but we'll keep using it through today. So I want you to write down the names of some of your closest friends. Let's just say five. And that was just a random number. So you can choose to make write more than five. But I want you to write down um, an average of five of your closest friends. I mean, if you have so many friends and you can't, five is too small, you can write 10, but you don't have any friends at all. Not up to five. Okay, write the number that you have. If it's three you have, um, write the number. And that's a serious, not to have friends is serious. Because you know, we talked about having three levels of friends. So I'm not even saying write level three now. Just write five of your closest friends. Okay, are we done? 
We're done. Great. Okay. So now you don't have to. So now thinking to yourself, think about why are they your friends? Look at the two sisters. I hope you didn't write each other's names. Oh, you can't come up with one. See, this is what happens when you have too many sisters. I mean, I, I can imagine having the same problem. Just because I, I have so many sisters and they, they take up the time that a friend would have taken up in my life. So, I get it. Okay. So, um, think about it. Why are they your friends? Just, you know, give it some thoughts. Why are they your friends? And then I'm going to ask a question that I want us to um, give me some answers. What are some qualities in a positive friendship? So what are some qualities? Now, put away your paper. Don't think about any of those, because I don't want you to change any of the names you had there. But what are some qualities in a positive friendship? Adding value to each other, okay? They make you a better person. Support. What kind of support? Okay. Emotional, spiritual, physical, financially, they lift you up when you fall. Okay. I guess that's what you mean by physical. They give you a right to church, you know, whatever. Okay. Awesome. Any anything else? Eh? Just mates. Okay. We're keeping it real now. Just mates. Because that's really that's really what happens. You can trust them. Okay. Quality of a quality of a positive friendship. Someone you can trust. Okay. Any other one that we've not mentioned? Somebody that you disagree to agree. So not somebody who rubber stamps everything you say, but somebody who, you know, okay. Somebody that cheers you and celebrates your wins with you. Okay. Someone that's like, no, Katie, you have a very deep class. You, you understand? Very deep. Someone that's like-minded. Awesome. Awesome. I like, I like I lo I'm loving it. You know, I do marriage counseling and I used to, you know, there, there's a particular question that I like asking uh, the couple. I would say, um, uh, why did you pick the other person as your spouse? And, you know, it's always very interesting to me listening to um, the answer. So they, people try to give me the answer they think I want to hear, you know. Say, oh, you know, I, I received it, you know, in the dream. Or, you know, that she's, she's real spiritual. She makes me a better Christian. You know, they'll say all these sorts of things, you know. Meanwhile, I bet none of that came into the picture, right? They saw fine day, okay? I think I'd like to, you know... I, Right? That's the that's that's the it's only when they've acknowledged that it's a fine babe, I like her, I like her behavior and so on, before they start thinking if I maybe they when they come to church and a message has been asked to that babe, is she really a Christian? That's like afterthought. But you know, when I ask why are you marrying this person, I never hear that oh she's fine or or he's handsome or he's a he's a dude or anything like that. So, he prays, you know, he hears the word. <laughs> when they finish, I'm like, okay, let's get, let's get real now. Okay, all right. So, but this was really nice. So what are some qualities in a negative friendship? Some qualities in a negative friendship. What are some qualities? Backbiter, okay. Unhealthy. 
unhealthy competition. Okay. And what do you mean by unhealthy competition? They don't feel comfortable. Okay. Because there's healthy competition and unhealthy competition. There's the one that helps you grow. And there's competition just for the fun of it. Isn't it? Competition's fun, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So other other negative they take you to places like clubs. They take you to places like clubs, I know, right? And drink. And girls. And girls. Plenty ah. Those are bad friends. I agree. <laughs> I agree, those are bad friends. They get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. Those are bad friends. Distraction. Yeah. Unreliable. Oh, they, they help you squander your money. They show up when the money arrives. End of the month, they're there. Eh? Bad influence. They take you to the fire, carry your hand, dip it inside that fire. <laughs> they support mediocrity. They support mediocrity. Yes, they don't encourage you to be all that you can be. They're selfish. Ah. They can bring down your spiritual life. <laughs> they hold information in the workplace. Do you work with such people that hold information? They will not cut soap for you. 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 Update. <laughs> They're selfish. Okay, awesome, awesome. So how much do your friends' opinions, values, and thoughts influence your own? You don't have to answer that. That one you are going to answer inside you. That how much do your friends' values, their opinions, and their thoughts, how much do you allow it to influence you? So that's something to think or you can write it on your sheet you don't, because you're not sharing your sheet with anybody. And so you find out that the Bible, the Bible gives us wisdom on how to choose friends. The Bible actually tells us what to do. Um, Proverbs 13, 20 says, the one who walks with the wise. Do you want to open it? Proverbs 13, 20. It says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. And so when we choose wise friends, we will make wiser choices. And when we choose foolish friends, we will be making more foolish choices. Hmm? So I want you to, um, again, we're going to go back to our activity. Name a time when you were positively influenced by your friends. Name a time. Just one example. We're only going to take one uh, Otherwise, we won't live here today. So just one person wants to give an example of a time when you were positively influenced by your friends. Uh, when a friend made him take a course that would help him financially. A friend made him take a course that would help him financially. That's really great because that's even better than if the friend had given you money. 
I'm sure you know what the next question would be. Name a time when you were negatively influenced um, by your friends. <laughs> Who wants to go? Okay. Who likes exposing body and wearing hot body gowns? For me, I don't like hot body, but she introduced me into wearing very short and mini skirts for some time. She introduced you to so, like, she'd be like, ah, you the like influence. Not like eh? She convinced you that uh, you were hot. And so you should yeah. show like the hot. Like you know, like her. Um, <laughs> 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 she was like, just be there. That so, you just saw yourself doing it. You know, it, 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 I mean, when you listen deeply to what she's saying, she said initially she did not want to do it. But over time, she found herself doing it. I mean, have you ever listened to music that you don't want to listen to? Only to find yourself singing the same music the next day. You're like wondering, where did that come from? So, you know, this is, this is really true that when you listen to something or when you watch something, it goes into a subconscious part of your mind. And without thinking about it, you find yourself just, you know, acting out the behavior. So, okay, great. All right. So, um, the book of Proverbs actually talks over and over again about the importance of choosing right friends. You know, it's all over the Proverbs. And um, the person that we spend time with will either make us better at life or they might lead us into trouble. So there are two um, principles. When you look at the book of Proverbs, it, it, it talks about two different principles to, um, to take into consideration in selecting the right friend. The first is you should be a good friend. So when you yourself are a good friend, you're more likely to make friends that impact you positively. You know, being a good friend um, puts you in a situation where you attract like-minded people to you. And so to attract faithful friends, you have to be the type of friend that you want to be around. If you want trustworthy friends, you yourself need to be trustworthy and honest. If you want friends who are um, growing in their relationship with Christ, you yourself need to focus on your relationship with Christ. If you don't want friends that gossip, you yourself have to not be somebody who's prone gossiping so you know that's just the way that it is and the second principle is that we should find wise friends find wise friends i remember we wrote a list of our friends so just look at that our list there are three simple questions um, that you can ask yourself if you want to figure out whether your friends are wise or not the first is do they follow jesus the second is, do they do the right thing? And the third is, do they make others better? Do they follow Jesus? Do they do the right thing? Do they make 
others better? Are they making wise decisions? Do they make you better? And are you doing the same thing for them? Remember that your friends can make you or they can break you. They can make you or they can break you. So I want you to think about our list of five for a little bit. In what ways are you having a positive influence on your friends? Or a negative one? Remember we talked about um, the positive influences and we talked about, so you, you heard all those examples. So just think about it, look at those, the list of your friends. In what ways are you um, having a positive influence on your friends or negative ones? So looking at your, your list, are your friends, would you consider them to be wise or foolish? And why do we even need good friends? Let's look at what the Bible says. Why do we need good friends? Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Why do we need good friends? Why, why, is, it even, why is it even important or relevant? The Bible says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And this, we're not talking about this just the way that it is. Okay, I'm going to ask us what we, what we interpret by that in a minute. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly what do we understand by that passage? Because I don't want anybody to go and be looking for who to keep warm. Then they'll say, Pastor, I wish you could said we should keep each other warm. Honestly. I remember I was counseling a couple, marital counseling. And um, usually at the end of the, I'll tell them at the beginning that, you know, we're going to be doing a, a pregnancy test at the end and so on and so forth. Because the church does not believe in wedding three people. We only wed two people and all of that. And um, right before we finished, which would be right before the pregnancy test, I get this phone call. Uh, I have something to tell you. Okay. Cut the long story short. Of course, it, was, it would have been a positive test, right? And the excuse was that I didn't talk about abstinence till the very end. <laughs> yes. So uh, these things happen. So I don't want us to go out and say, Dr. Oshika said, where that two need to keep each other warm. So what do we understand by this scripture in the context of what we're doing today? Because if I was having this conversation with married folk, I know we have some married folk here. Uh -huh. So, but a lot of, most of us here are not married. So it's obviously a different context. So what do we understand by that scripture? The first I've understood it by that last part you mentioned that talks about how a three um a three chord the three chord what is strand sorry it's not easily broken and you're talking about friendship so basically I've always understood it as you your friend and what unites you like Christ as the center just as it should be for a Christian in every typical relationship you have as a Christian it's always going to be a three a three 
called strand <laughs> yes <laughs> you know so but now when he now talks about how two lying down and then warming each other the bible also gives reference to iron sharpening iron and when two irons rub that heat is generated that's how i've always understood like being with people that are like-minded people that can two work together except like people that you agree with and generally more is there is more of an advantage to that union than disadvantage than when you're with someone that you're you're worse off than you would have been without that person so, yeah. awesome awesome anybody wants to add to that okay so when i when you said um so laying down to become more i i just look at one of my friends one of my friends uh, victor is the business type like he if you he will just make his money from business he's not going to work for anybody so we were both friends from when we were young and sometimes we'll just save some conversation for business today we'll just be like today we are talking about business and we always feel we are the next dangote the world is called the next dangote so um by the grace of god he started a business and he's more like a role model for me so i feel when you get that type of friend is going to sharpen the business your business idea in you thanks I, I, and, and i'm assuming that when you say the next dangote you just mean that the next really rich person because you don't want to be like any other person except yourself because you don't know what baggage uh, people are carrying. I remember, I mean, when I was in high school, you know, I think all the girls had a crush on Michael Jackson because we all thought he was, you know, he sang really well and everybody thought he was cute. Who knew he couldn't sleep? I mean, lack of sleep is what ended up killing him. And now we hear all kinds of other stories. So, um, you know, you just want to be like yourself. You want to be like the person that God has created. You don't compare yourself to any other person. Okay? You don't know their baggage. Amen. All right. So, um, uh, awesome, awesome. And I like that also. I like all the examples that when we say that when, you know, two lie together, you know, it's just like when they say a problem shared is a problem half solved, that, you know, it's always good to have a confidence or just do something with somebody else, um, whether you're praying together. The Bible says that, you know, when two or more are gathered in his name. So there's value in two people coming together to do something, you know. I mean, Jesus knew he could just pray on his own in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he wanted that other, you know, he wanted the disciples to just join him there. So there's value in having somebody else um, there with you. There's a reason why when God created Adam, he saw that. Um, he was all alone and then you know he brought Eve on board so having another person is certainly helpful and I like that um, the example that was given about iron sharpening iron because um, you want to have a friend that actually makes you better than you are by sharpening you you know the reason why iron sharpens iron is to make it sharper you know if you cook you know after a while the knife gets blunt and when you want to sharpen that knife you need another piece of iron or concrete something that is equally strong to in order for you to sharpen the knife if you just put the knife against plastic what will happen the knife will just be making marks on the plastic without getting sharper so you need something that's uh, equivalent to make it sharper okay awesome all right so um, and of course, a cord of three strands um, is definitely 
a code that includes God um, in it. And so this, so we've already talked about the benefits of having a good friend. Um, let us look at, so in that verse that we read, um, what are the benefits that were listed in the verse? I think we've mentioned some of them already. In that Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, we said two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. There's no way that, I mean, what does that mean? Synergy brings more profit. Yes, there's only so much that one person can achieve. But when you bring another person on board, better ideas, um, you know, better opportunities, you actually increase your profit margin. If, it, if it's a business, for example, it increase your profit margin. So um, definitely, okay, awesome. And then it says, if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. I think that's, that, that's self-explanatory, right? If, you know, you have some, if you're down, like he talked about um, talking to a friend that was depressed and just that conversation, he was able to pull him, pull him up, okay. And then, um, and, all, and then we talked about the rest. All right, let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And anybody there can, can read it. First Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Another um, translation says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So what does this teach about the friends we choose? So I'm going to ask us a question. How can we avoid compromising our character and our good morals. How? By avoiding our bad friends. Okay. Hmm? By being determined. Okay. The person themselves should not, so you yourself should not be the one showing the bad example, right? And then so when you're showing the good example, perhaps your bad bad friends will change their habits okay good being in the company of good friends because the rub because the bad ones will rub and the good ones will rub up on you too okay all right what else by guarding our hearts okay like all the okay okay well we're doing good all right great so what do we learn about the um power of friendships from Ecclesiastes 4, that, that passage that we read. What did we learn there about the power of friendships? Eh? Can make us stronger. Okay. Okay. So how does choosing quality friends benefit us as Christians? How does choosing quality friends benefit us as Christians? Because we're talking about why have good friends. How does it benefit us as Christians? It helps us grow spiritually, okay? Personally, it makes the race easier. It run. makes the race easier. It makes the race. Which race? It makes the Christian race easier. Because if you don't have somebody constantly tempting you, right? Then you're okay, right? A friend of mine once said that. How did he put it? <clears throat> He's a pastor, incidentally. He said that. It's easy to say you're not tempted when you haven't met your own temptation. You know, maybe 
alcohol, ah, not interested. Smoking, forget it. Women, ah, not interested until you find yourself working in a place where the money is just spread there. Or some, you know, or whatever. Maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was drugs, maybe it was smoke. But, you know, it's sometimes it's easier to feel like, you know what, I'm a good Christian until you have that thorn in the flesh. And then you find yourself like Brother Paul praying every day for God to take away this thorn. I've always wondered what that thorn was. I guess we'll find out someday when we get there. But, you know, I'm sure we all have that thorn that we pray about and just and if we don't it means maybe we've not met the thorn yet and we want to pray that we will never meet that thorn in jesus name amen and so you find out that solid dependable friendships are the key to great success um we can celebrate each other on our successes or on the mountaintops um we can um, at, we, we, you know, we can pull each other up when we're in a valley and when we choose our friends wisely and we seek people who um, cherish the same things that we cherish, um, then we will have friends that will celebrate our personal success, our spiritual growth, and they will also help us build our characters, isn't it? Like the verse that she quoted, which was um, Proverbs uh, 17, 20, Proverbs 27, 17, that says that as iron sharpeneth iron, so one person sharpens the other. Amen. So we do need people in our life, uh, in our lives to push us, to push us that, like that proverb verse says, uh, to make us better. If we surround ourselves with people that don't require us <laughs> to give our best, <laughs> we're, we're being cheated. We're, we're being cheated by ourselves and by our friends. So you always want to be in the company of people that push you to be better, that push you to do more. So surround yourself with people that will challenge you, people that will require you to be honest, trustworthy and faithful and not only that you surround yourself with them but that you also want to be the same to them so do you have someone that so now back to your list do you have someone that sharpens you on that list eh? you don't have to tell me now looking at the list who do you sharpen Who do you sharpen? Do you need to change your circle of friends in order to grow in the Lord? You don't have to answer that question. Just answer it inside your heart. Eh? So, you know, interestingly enough, when we were talking about negative qualities of friends, someone said, passed a comment on my right side, he said, ah, if these are the negative qualities, that means he doesn't have any friends. But, you know, I'm sure that as we mentioned some of those negative qualities, if we're really going to be honest, 
Some of us might have been thinking, hmm, do I do that? Or we may have been thinking, yeah, I do that. And that brings us to the second half, where we're talking about frenemies. So what is a frenemy? You know, it's a very interesting word, frenemy. It hasn't always been in the dictionary. In 2009, the dictionary was adjusted to include, you know, every year, certain words are added to dictionaries. And it's always kind of interesting to see what makes the cuts this year. You know, there's some Nigerian words that have been added to dictionaries. And I mean, there's a, there's a word that my daughter believes should be in the dictionary, and it's not. And she keeps, every year, she keeps checking. And that word is trafficate. Did you know it's not in the dictionary? <laughs> and she's like mom it makes absolute sense why is it not there and i'm like right to there maybe they'll add it so it's a nigerian word it doesn't exist in the dictionary but i i use it all the time because i too believe it should be there so in 2009 frenemy was added to the dictionary and i'll read what the Merriam-Webster dictionary defined it as one who pretends to be a friend but is actually an enemy. That's a frenemy. Another dictionary definition refers to it as a person with whom one is friendly despite a fundamental dislike or rivalry or a person who combines the characteristics of a friend and an enemy. I personally can think of some people that I don't particularly like, but I act friendly towards them anyway. So I guess that makes me a friend of me. And so I don't want us to listen to this definition and get all holier than thou and think, oh, it's those people, and I need to be protected against every frenemy. Because we ourselves need to repent from the acts of frenemism, if such a word exists. And so the Bible, you know, sometimes the world comes up with a name that, you know, that sounds almost yumpish. It sounds cool, right? The Bible doesn't quite describe it in such cool terms. Let's go through the Bible so we keep it real. <laughs> so the Bible says, uh, Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The Bible says it as it is. Judas, thank you. Interestingly enough, this was Proverbs 27, 6, before Judas, but Judas was exactly what Proverbs 27, 6 was describing. And I don't want us to look at it and say, ah, I haven't kissed anybody for money, so <laughs> they're not talking about me. Because when you look at it deeply, the kisses of an enemy, even just a smile, would fall into that category. Just the pretense would fall into that category. Do you ever 
Maybe you heard that somebody got injured, but the person is such a has such a mean personality that you're not even feeling sad that the person got injured. You're almost like, mm, well, they had it coming, you know. And yeah, that's not what the Bible says we should do, right? So, um, yeah. So then the Bible, that same Proverbs twenty-seven six. When you look at the Persian translation, it says, "You can trust a friend." who wounds you with his honesty. But your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insincerity. You see a friend, you know their outfit is terrible, but you stand there and you lie. And you say, ah, it's so fine. Who's your tailor? You're really thinking, who killed you like this? But you don't voice it. Instead, you, uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> the girls are coming home. <laughs> you say, instead, you become all, are you the slay queen in your group that's always slaying someone? Are you the slay mama of your group, even when you know you should be? encouraging that person the person genuinely looks good but you just want to slay them anyway so you're going to say something that is not nice just so you can drop that, that, that shoulder is so high you just want to drop that shoulder you know one or two levels so you find something not so nice to say okay the bible in proverbs 2019 says a gossip betrays a confidence so avoid anyone who talks too much Avoid your gist mates. Because they will find something to gist about. Whether it is, you know, have you ever seen where somebody is recounting a story? By the time they have nollywooded that story, ha, it doesn't even have any resemblance to the original event. They would have added pepper, salt, soy sauce, everything. That the, story, the story now becomes extremely interesting but has, has no bearing to where it started from. So the Bible is saying avoid such people. Because someone that talks too much, they will be looking for things to say. So even when what, what is there to be said has finished, they'll start digging into the recesses of, and that's where the lies start coming out. So the Bible says you should avoid them. And in the Passion Translation, it says, a blabber mouth will reveal your secrets. So stay away from people who can't keep their mouths shut. And then still talking about frenemies, James 1.26, New King James Version. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not brittle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Another translation, NIV, says those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Proverbs 11.3 NIV says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Message translation, same Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the honest keeps them on track, the deviousness of crooks brings them to ruin.
I'm going to read some more scriptures for us. Psalm 55, 21, NIV. His talk is as smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. The Passion says, his words were smooth and charming, yet his heart was disloyal and full of hatred. His words soft as silk, while all the time scheming my demise. You know, it sounds so extreme, but as I read the scripture, that's Psalm 55 verse 21, and I just read it in the Passion Translation. So as I read the scripture, the Holy Spirit reminded me about um, an event which I am not proud about, but I'll share with us, just to show us that, um, you know, sometimes you read these things and you think, ah, those terrible people. So um, once upon a time, and at some point, I um, was running the occupational medicine department of a hospital. And so part of my job involved um, doing medical clearance for people that want to work at the hospital's big hospital. And um, in the US, as a government employee, it's really, it's a bad thing to lie to me, I mean, to any government employee. Um, and you know, you'd sign this document that it's punishable by a month imprisonment or fine and that kind of stuff. So, but of course, people come there because they want to be hired, so they're going to lie. So, um, so I saw this lady, and um, um, she did the exam, and I thought she was okay. In fact, I think she might have even been Nigerian. I don't remember. So she was trying to come into work as a nursing assistant, which is a pretty physically intensive job because you need to be able to support a patient that's falling, right? And so she finished the exam and she left my office. And somebody came and told me, um, do you know that that lady you just saw is using a motorized wheelchair? So you know how we Nigerians can be so bad sometimes. So this lady, somebody must have told her that, you know, you can get a motorized wheelchair you don't have a car you can kind of sort of get a car uh, a motorized wheelchair which is like an electric wheelchair you know you don't have money but government can get you this car this wheelchair that you can use in moving around in place of a car you know and this is like a five thousand dollar equipment so she got and she must have gotten another dubious doctor to write the prescription for her and she got the motorized wheelchair and she came and and i was feeling rather like, you know, why should she do such a thing? Because I, from having examined her, I mean, she walked into my exam room, so definitely she did not need that wheelchair. So I was feeling like, ah, waiting. This girl is cheating the government, the taxpayers. So I recalled her. So when she came in, I was now really nice to her. I feel really ashamed. I was not really nice to her. And I, and I encouraged her, I said, eh, so um, do you have any way of moving around, you know, other than, so anyway, my niceness got her to co confess her crime. Because I knew that as she was confessing her crime, she was digging a very deep grave for herself. But it happened that, you know, of course I reported the matter and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's not so, so as I was reading that, so I was, I was reading, because I, I felt totally justified you know, in what I was doing. But I could have handled it differently. Because I don't know that at the end of the day, she learned anything positive, other than thinking 
that doctor was just mm, pretending to be nice to me. Meanwhile, she was really killing me, which is really what I was doing. But so at the end of it, um, did I add value to her life? Yes, she got justice, but did she get compassion with the justice? Was there mercy? Because I, I could, there were so many other ways that I could have handled. Actually, if I had just come out to say, you know what, I was told you came here with a motorized wheelchair and, you know, you're just trying to trick me. Of course, which she would have said, no, 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 I don't really, that's the truth, right? I don't really need the wheelchair. I just got it because somebody said, you know, I can get this quasi car by uh, applying for this wheelchair. And I could have, uh, I, I could have educated her about why it was bad to cheat taxpayers, me being one of them. And she would have, maybe should have learned something. I think God would have been smiling at me then as against what probably happened. Because I, I, I left that not even thinking of it. I didn't even think of it. Interesting. I mean, this thing must have happened like 2005 or something. And interesting that I'm reading this thing today and those which is taking my mind back to. So can you imagine? So I feel really, I was, I feel miffed. I feel quite uh, ashamed of myself. But so the message, the, the, the lesson there is, when we read the scriptures, don't just feel like, ah, those people. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you telling me in this scripture? Because sometimes it's not just the plain way, you know, there's a deeper there's a depth to the word of God. You know, you can read a particular scripture 10 times and each time you get a different message from it. So as we talk about frenemies, I want us to really look within. Who is it that we have been a frenemy to? Because remember our definition of friends, the first one was associates. There weren't even people that we, maybe they're just people we know on social media. Who is that person you're trolling <laughs> on social media? You never met them, but it's convenient, especially in this time of politics, whether they are Baptist or articulated or obedient. It's just convenient to find somebody to yap. So look within. Who are you being a friend of me to? Um, We've looked at frenemies as being somebody who, uh, by virtue of their tongue, um, could be an enemy, right? But there are other frenemies. If you remember when we were talking about um, negative influences of friends, we talked about, there were so many examples that were given. For example, I mean, when I was in secondary school, we had this thing called FFF. I don't know if it still exists, Friends for Food. You know, you have those end of the month friends. They only show up when you've been paid. And, you know, um, you know they just want one thing from you. They're not really interested in your welfare. They're not interested in anything else. They just want something from you. There's some friends that you don't hear from them until they need something. And the Bible has something to say about such friends. Let's look at um, Psalm 55, verse 12, um, and we'll read to 14. Psalm 55. And if you're there, you can read it. Okay, it says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could enjoy it. 
If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshippers. Okay, maybe this doesn't really... Um, let me look for a different... Let me go to New King James. Yeah, it says, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion. So basically, the service here is saying, if it was even an enemy that did that to me, I'll be okay. But it was you, someone I trusted, someone I believed in. Maybe there's somebody that has hurt you. Maybe you've been abused by a loved one. And you're still bearing that, um, that pain, that anger. Sometimes these angers follow us for years. And it's important that we bring ourselves to the point where we, we are able to forgive that person. And it's only God that can help us do that. Let's look at Proverbs 14, 20. Because sometimes, you know, you trust someone and then the person, um, you know, the person... The person just disappoints you. I remember, you know, obviously in my many years of being on earth, that has happened to me multiple times. And I remember the last time that something like that happened to me, God just reminded me that the best of a man is a man. You know, because sometimes you over-exalt somebody in your mind. You put them on a pedestal. And then they disappoint you. And it can be so demoralizing so you always have to remember that it's just this person is, is a human being like myself prone to falling you understand and so um when that happens you need god to just help you uh, look at things differently okay let's look at um proverbs 14 20. proverbs and if you're there just read <laughs> the Pope, <laughs> the rich has many friends, and we see that all the time. I mean, when I look, I use politics again because we're in a political season. Politicians, you know, they have a lot of friends because they have extra money to go around, and the minute they lose that election, <laughs> all the friends just run away, and that's just it. Same thing. When you're rich, you'll have a lot of friends. In fact, the Bible has so many places where it says the same thing. Proverbs 19.4. And someone else opened to Proverbs 19.6-7. Proverbs 19.4 and then Proverbs 19.6-7. If you're there, just read. Okay. All right. Proverbs 19.6-7. Same, same thing, right? You know, and one thing I like in that Proverbs, uh, that uh, last one we read, Proverbs 19, 6-7 is, you know, you can have a rich person that's very miserly. They don't have friends, though, because... Everybody knows that they, they will not drop. 
But once you have someone, whether they are rich or they, and they have, they, 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 they are known to be generous, uh, everybody, people will just be swarming around them. So that's just the way that it is. What did you say? <laughs> okay. So how do we deal with a frenemy? And my time is up. You know, normally that's what happens when you get a shit. I run out of time. I will still take questions. Okay. Thanks. So um, I think we got to carry the weight, but I'll just go real fast now. How do we deal with a frenemy? So the first thing is to take a step back, gain perspective, and own the problem. Somebody's said terrible things about you, but how have you contributed to that? How have you offended the person? What did you say that was misunderstood? Were you a frenemy to them? Are you being defensive and acting just badly? And then learn from broken relationships. Remember that a fruit that is produced in a relationship matters. So whatever fruit comes out of that relationship is a product of the type of relationship that you're having with the person. So if it is a relationship that is based on the Holy Spirit, then you have fruits of the Spirit. And the Bible says, either make the tree good and its fruits good, or make the tree bad and its fruits bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So that's, um, and then there are a few lessons to learn. Learn how to better guard your tongue, Proverbs 13, 3. Learn how to pay attention to warning signs and be discerning when it comes to choosing friends. Proverbs 13, 20. Take your junk to God in prayer instead of confiding in a toxic friend. Okay? And um, there are several scriptures for that. 1 Corinthians 16, 11. Proverbs 18, 24. 1 Peter 3, 16 to 17. And um, finally, it's important that you forgive a frenemy. So you should, you should learn to forgive that person that you feel is your frenemy. All right. So we'll stop there. And uh, for that, the scriptures would be Leviticus 19.18, Colossians 3.12 to 13. Um, and the final scripture that I have for us as we think about friends or frenemies would be Romans 12, 14 to 21 in the easy translation. Thank you. So I always have so much fun. That's why we run out of time. But yeah.